What is happening, football fans? Hope you had a lovely weekend. Tyler Terrence along with Devin Kerr here in the CONCACAF studios. We told you we'd be back every single Monday and Friday every week, 5 p.m. Eastern time, right here in the CONCACAF studios. And we couldn't be more thrilled about it. Of course, we have the option to now listen to the show on podcast, available on Spotify and Anchor right now, soon to be coming to iTunes. But Mr. Devin Kerr, how are we feeling today? Pretty good. I was actually hoping that maybe I would get a new partner on the podcast, but it turns out that didn't take place. It's so one of the same. You're still here. And you're still here. They told me that they were looking for a replacement as well. So they're telling us conflicting people things. People. We're both here. I don't know. We'll get into it, though. We're going to continue to preview every single matchup in the round of 16. We are inching closer and closer to the first play day on February 18th. That is going to be our first matchup. But the matchup we're taking a look at today, in my opinion and in Devin Kerr's opinion, we'll get there in a little bit, is probably the most entertaining on the right side of the bracket. Saprissa and Montreal hailing from both Costa Rica and Canada, respectively. When you take a look at these two sides, obviously some championships underneath their belt. Of course, it is the Scotiabank CONCACAF Champions League. Saprissa have had a stranglehold on domestic titles in Costa Rica for basically as long as we can remember. 34-time champions. Johan Venegas is the talisman up top. He had seven goals in CONCACAF League. Those 10 goals are actually coming in league play alone. Meanwhile, for Montreal Impact, 10 goals for Saphir Tider. That was in all competitions, including the Canadian Championship. A Montreal team that has actually never gotten to an MLS Cup final before. They're still looking for that sort of of competitive play, but we'll take a deeper look at this Montreal team, Devin, a team that has struggled defensively for sure, allowing probably one of the most amount of goals in Major League Soccer, only scoring 33 goals in league play this past season in 2019. To put that in perspective, Carlos Vela of LAFC, who of course is in this tournament, 34. He's going to have a little fun again, isn't he, this year? I think one of the things you have to be careful of, though, is to criticize the boys up top, and health is going to be a key concern. Ignacio Piatti back once again, going to be 35 years come February, going to play in the 10, but can they keep him healthy? That's been a real issue. How about Bojan? Brought him in three goals, eight games. Enough offensive talent, but when you're such a liability on the defensive side of the ball, that transition going forward, not only does it take a physical toll, but mentally it starts to become so troublesome to the point where sometimes you get in front of that and you almost forget what you're trying to get done. So they're going to have to build some confidence early. One other thing you got to remember, they've only ever won five games in a row twice. They did it in that beautiful 2015 season, which was MLS, by the way, on the run to the Eastern Conference, and then the Canadian Championship last year that got them here. On the other side of the ball, it's going to be Saprissa, the Purple Monster, probably one of the more intimidating places to play outside of Mexico within CONCACAF as Costa Rica, and specifically Estadio Ricardo Saprissa. I'm a who could forget Saprissa in that comeback that we featured last show against Olympia, where they came back from three goals behind in the final 20 minutes of the game, including that stunning free kick from Marvin Angulo, a club that is coming off of an international trophy. Devin, I mean, there's a lot of momentum riding behind this this purple team. The legend, Walter Centeno, getting him back to their winning ways. Remember, it seems like each and every time that they stepped onto the field, they were winning. 34 domestic titles, always winning championships, but that's taken a back seat. Their manager has won this competition. He knows how to lead them to the promised land, and they have a massive amount of confidence coming off CONCACAF League. And we mentioned how this matchup between both Montreal and Saprissa is probably the most entertaining just in terms of a competitive standpoint on the right-hand side of the bracket. It's going to be in that same grouping with Seattle and Olympia that we previewed last show. What are you looking forward to most about this? I think the fact that Montreal has to go to Costa Rica, what's that going to be like? Such a story venue, Ricardo Saprissa Stadium. What does that look like now, though? Because the ghosts are there. Are they really that strong, though? We said they've got confidence. Montreal Impact, they made a lot of movements. Of course, Thierry Henry named the manager. That entire organization really feels like they're building something special. But those long-distance journeys are difficult to handle. I've been there firsthand. The quick turnarounds, everything that's going on. And oh, by the way, as we've mentioned before, we'll say it again, 
it's basically preseason for the Impact. It is, but the Impact are coming off of an end of the season in 2019 where they really weren't playing with much pressure. They were buzzing Sam Piet in the middle of the field. I mean, the mighty disruptor and what a game he had against the United States with Canada back in CONCACAF Nations League play. But we're going to dive into this a little bit more, and we're going to have the help of the netminder for Montreal Impact himself, the man who's been there basically since the beginning. Mr. Evan Bush is right around the corner, and right after this break, don't go anywhere. All right, welcome back into the CONCACAF studios. Tyler Terrence along with Devin Curran. We're going to take a deeper look at this Montreal Impact team as we're going to get Evan Bush on the line in just a moment. The keeper for Montreal, who's basically been there since the beginning. He's been there for every single coach, seven to be exact, and his new coach is going to be none other than Thierry Henry. But this Montreal Impact team is obviously going to be taking another step in this CONCACAF Champions League, and we have Evan Bush on the line now. Evan, thank you so much for taking the time during a very busy preseason schedule ahead of this matchup against Saprissa. Yeah, my pleasure. How are you? We are doing excellent. We are doing excellent. So we're going to jump right into it. We talked a little bit about how, the, for you, you've been there since the beginning, seven coaches just so far of just being around Thierry for the first couple of weeks, how does this culture and this sort of way that Thierry runs his team compare to other years? Yeah, you know, a guy like him obviously commands respect uh, right from the get-go before he even opens his mouth. But, um, you know, furthermore, uh, you know, the first couple of weeks we've developed what we feel is a pretty clear identity. And, um, you know, I think that's going to help us uh, – figure out exactly how it is we're going to go about you know trying to win games um not only in the coming weeks but you know well into the next season and hopefully beyond evan let's let's expand on that a little bit and talk about the change tactically from Wimler cabrera he talked to us about mandating they wanted to play higher up on the field now that thierry Henry comes in what does that change look like for you guys starting from the back and moving forward yeah i think we're going to be a team that uses uh space all over the field uh, with Wilmer, you know, he, he did mention that he wanted us to to be higher up on the field, win, by, win balls higher up on the field, but that didn't necessarily uh, speak a whole lot in regards to what we wanted to do when we had the ball and how we're going to, you know, attract teams and, and use the space to, to our advantage. So, um, you know, Thierry so far, it seems like we're going to be using, um, you know, the, the width of the field, the length of the field, and and uh, every spot on the field that we can possibly uh, draw teams into and then expose the spaces that they leave, um, you know, unattended. And, you know, I think that if you look at the top clubs throughout the world, that's pretty much the, the way that they have success is by attracting and then uh, punishing when those spaces make themselves available. Evan, you've been with Montreal basically since the beginning of 2012. You've been here. You've done that when it comes to CONCACAF Champions League, getting to a final in 2014-15. You got to play against Alajolense, and you got to go down to Costa Rica back then. What stands out to you about going down to play in Costa Rica in those types of environments? Yeah, you know, we, uh, we played Alajolense, uh, and then the following uh, round we, we went to the Azteca and played in the final there. And um, you know, whenever I speak about you know that run that we made, uh, everyone wants to ask about the Azteca and you know how we're playing in that stadium and in that environment. And while that was you know phenomenal, of course, I always tell them that the, the more intimidating atmosphere and environment was in Costa Rica. It was more intimate. It was uh, you know it felt a little bit more on edge, you know, maybe with the fans and uh, the surroundings and whatnot. So. 
it was uh, a memory that was uh, certainly one that you know I draw upon and, and think about fondly. Uh, and we're hopefully we can uh, draw on some of those experiences going in Vista Prisa, which, uh, from my understanding, is, is every bit as hostile and uh, exciting, and um, you know all those words that you know are, are enticing to a player. Evan, let's talk about that for a second. So in 2014-15 edition, you win the Golden Glove. Obviously, beautiful run of form, and and you've had a great career. You actually spoke to a coworker of ours, and you gave us a quote, and he said that you can talk all you want Monday through Friday, but when you guys lost 3 nothing to D.C. United in August of last year, you got punched in the face and you didn't respond properly. Couple that with giving up the fourth most goals in the MLS. Mentally, how do you get these boys back on track? Yeah, I think that just having a, a new staff in place, uh, a, a new voice, a new, a new regime in, in pretty much every aspect of the club, uh, it, it certainly helps to have, pay attention to that detail, and we're going to go in, you know, with a, a clear mentality this year. Uh, you know, what happened last year, we, we're certainly trying to correct some of those mistakes, but at the same time, you know, just naturally some of those things are are going to go away with, you know, having a, a different type of, uh, you know, culture, a different type of tactical awareness of what we're trying to accomplish, and, and all those things. So. Um, you know, as much as you want to, uh, you know, try to draw upon last year and, and, and see the things that went well, things that didn't go well, uh, this year is a new year, and that's the beauty of, you know, having uh, seasons in sports is that you're able to to kind of get rid of the, the bad things that happened while still drawing upon the good things. Evan, I want to ask you a bit of a logistical question here. Devin and I, the last segment, went after it a little bit in terms of MLS teams and, and the new format that's in place with the round of 16 and the tournament starting basically as your guys' preseason tournament as opposed to in previous years when it would start basically in August and then it would be over the course of two calendar years. For you, and I know you haven't gone into the tournament yet, but in terms of preparation and really just preference, right now in the moment, what kind of setup seems better or seems more comfortable for you starting in February or maybe starting in August in the heat of the season? Um, you know, I think it, it probably makes more sense doing it this way, uh, just because, uh, we have a lot of the, the same guys that will, um, you know, take us into the, into the future rounds, hopefully. Um, you know, in, in the past you would go through the, the knockout or the group stages in, in the late fall months and, a lot of those guys that were playing in those games weren't necessarily your first team guys. You know, you're just trying to get into the MLS playoffs and um, hopefully advance in CTL by you know playing a, a roster that you hoped could uh, compete. And then once you got into the knockout rounds in uh, February, March of the, of the following season, that's when you would you know really focus in and try to you know make some headway in, in the tournament. So. I don't know if a lot has changed in the in the sense of when a lot of these MLS teams are are really investing themselves into uh, into the tournament. But um, from this standpoint, I think uh, it, it certainly helps with you know getting yourselves in the right mindset going into camp. Um, I think most MLS teams started about a week earlier than uh, they traditionally did uh, if they're uh, competing in CCL. So. Um, from that standpoint, I think that, you know, it, it's good how it's set up right now. And, uh, you know, if it changes in the future, we'll see. But I think that most guys would say that this is probably the, the best way to do it right now. Evan, let's jump back to the roster for a second here and, and talk about your investments. You talked a little bit about Henri and how you guys were going to look. 
How about him being so offensively minded from his playing career? What's that like? You said a new staff coming in, a lot of moving pieces, new players, old, young. What's that like in terms of how they look to you, maybe, that veteran leadership? And you've been one of the mainstays the entire time. Yeah, you know, I think that I just naturally have that, um, you know, people look at me within within this club and, you know, the one first question is, man, how long have you been at this club? And uh, it's, it's kind of unusual in modern football to stay at a club as long as I've been here. And, you know, it's my 10th season here. Uh, I came here before we were even in MLS. I was here the last season that uh, Montreal was in uh, the second division. So, you know, I have a... Uh, not a small part of me, but a, a big part of me that, you know, is is invested into this club and, you know, I bleed the colors and, um, you know, because of that, you know, I have uh, more of an emotional attachment to, you know, the successes and the failures that we experience every season. So I think I see that and they see the, the emotional investment that I have in, in, in being here. And, um, you know, from that standpoint, I think that they can take something, uh, you know, from the on-field uh, aspects of things, you know, there's there's certain leadership things that come with, you know, being a guy that's seen a lot of stuff on the field and off the field. But, um, you know, I think my biggest uh, attribute to, to being around here is the, um, the connection that I have with the club and with the city. Evan, of course, Tyler and I saved these serious ones for last. And he and I actually have an interesting little conspiracy going on behind the scenes about some interesting plays coming in about maybe why an MLS team hasn't taken the title down. And I'll, I'll give you a little bit of scenario. Of course, 2018, who can forget the groundhog incident that came up out of the ground? Michael Bradley, of course, missed his penalty. You go back to your edition against Club America. Arribe Peralta puts one in the back of the net. There's the card incident, whether or not something went on behind the scenes. These are the little things that we're talking about, that maybe there is a conspiracy out there. Have you changed maybe your routine after someone does end up putting one in the back of the net? Because we didn't get to see in the second leg of the final. <laughs> Yeah, you know, people ask, uh, you know, if I'm speaking to schools or groups or whatever, you know, <laughs> what, is, what, is, what are, you know, some of the biggest regrets I had in my career? And while, you know, I, to this day, I don't feel like I deserve the, the yellow card in, in that first leg at the end of the game, um, you know, the fact is I got it. And the way I responded uh, after the goal was, um, you know, after the goal was scored, uh, I responded the same way I respond, you know, most, most times the ball goes in the net, you know, I, I pick the ball up and, um, you know, try to get it back to midfield and, and the way that that played out with, uh, the, the club America guys, um, you know, coming after me to, to get the ball and, you know, it, it, it the optics of it probably, you know, led to yellow cards on both sides, which was unfortunate and, um, ultimately led to, uh, me missing, you know, probably the biggest game that, you know, I would have played in. Um, so from that standpoint, yeah, uh, hopefully the ball doesn't hit the net a whole lot of times uh, <laughs> in the coming weeks. But if it does, you know, and, you know, we'll react in kind. And um, you know, when you play these Champions League games and you have referees from different parts of uh, you know Concacaf that you're not used to seeing all the time, you know, they're not they're not used to you. You're not used to them. So you kind of have to act in accordance with um, you know whatever it is that the expectations are from their side. So they run the show and uh, you just kind of have to, you know, respond uh, in a way that's going to give your team the best chance to, to win, I guess. All right. Well, here's the hoping that you're not picking the ball out of your net too much this tournament, Evan. Hopefully we can talk to you down the line as you guys progress. Best of luck in the first leg. And thank you so much for taking the time. All right. Thanks guys. Appreciate it.
All right, there goes Evan Bush, the goalkeeper from Montreal Impact, taking on Saprisa in the round of 16. We're going to continue to look at this matchup. Coming up next, we got our PhD of Saprisa tactics right here in the CONCACAF studios. He's going to break down what Walter Centeno's side looks like moving forward. Don't go anywhere. Great little chat with Evan Bush just a few minutes ago from the Montreal Impact. The goalkeeper who is going to be leading this new Thierry, -led, Thierry Henry-led side into the round of 16 in Scotiabank CONCACAF Champions League, which as of today, Devin, big news coming out. CONCACAF striking a deal with Fox this tournament. All the matches are going to be available on the Fox Sports Network, so make sure that's where you head when we start to play the beautiful game in this year's 2020 Scotiabank CONCACAF Champions League. And also remember that it's in podcast form as well on Spotify and Anchor and soon to be iTunes. But before we go any further... Mr. Devin Kerr, I, I feel like you got a lot to say about this Saprisa side and, and how they move forward. You've been breaking down film. Let's do it. Positive things, too. Oh, yeah. Who would have thunk it? <laughs> well, I think the thing that you have to remember with Saprisa is what they're capable of and so many different looks that they throw at you. We teased it a little bit last match, how you know they took down Olympia because of the different looks they give you. Start off with a traditional 4-4-2. Boys on the back, you rotate one side, start to move the boys higher, you pinch on the other. We've sped it up a little bit here so that you can stay with the clip, but just notice... Little knock on the park, side to side, quick movements. When one park breaks down, they don't force the issue. Beautiful rotation, but again, it's the side to side. Proper depth, proper width, and eventually, they're going to find a way to pick out those little moments to get some offensive flows going forward. First one breaks down. Let's take a look at the second one where they start to expand themselves. This is where the beauty starts to have a lot of fun. Boys like Angulo and Brantes in the middle, and of course, Venegas coming back. All four of those start a little triangle. Venegas coming to the outside. That's a key focal point. Keep an eye on him now and the next one. When they start to trip in, you push it into a diamond shape and you start to go forward. The outside backs have to keep their head on a swivel. That's the key question mark for Montreal Impact. That right back position, the overloader. And oh, by the way, that man, Randall Leal, no longer going to have the luxury of him. He'll be with Nashville SC in the MLS. This is where they are at their best. Look at Venegas. That's one of their strikers coming all the way back, playing in the number eight position, and he's going to find his number eight. Angulo, beautiful little ball shipped through. He knows exactly where it's going the entire time. So many numbers, four, five, six at a time for Saprisa. That can hurt you. That is why they are so dangerous. One follow-up on that, though. With Venegas being able to do whatever he does, and then, of course, Christian Bolaños as well, there's a lot of guys who are moving in and out of positions that they might not necessarily, they're not sticking to one position. That's yep. what makes them so good. Are they a bit more vulnerable on the defensive end when they do have guys that are sort of just going rover? 100%. And, and they're great on the right side with Justin Salinas. He got himself in trouble in the CONCACAF League final. Didn't play the second leg. It showed Ricardo Blanco playing the left back position. If they put him here or there, he will be the key liability. Bringing him into that spot with all of the speed that Montreal Impact have, especially everybody that they've added, could be a real cause for concern for Saprisa on the defensive side of the ball. Well, we do have a little bit of a surprise. We have a member of our team, Mr. Devin Kerr, sitting here right to my left. He is going to be turning X age tomorrow. We're not going to throw him under the bus. But <laughs> I actually went over to the grocery store today. I got him his favorite. It's just carrot cake. It's pretty simple. And it's not just because you did such a great job on that segment. It's because we love you and we want to wish you happy birthday. So here you go. This is our lovely, one of our producers, Cindy Salguero, who's going to be bringing this over for you. And you can enjoy that carrot cake at the commercial. Look at that. Just to, be, just to be well, just to be clear, everybody. Though I am turning a, a nice age. I am not four. Most of you will think I am, especially the way I behave sometimes. But thank you very much. Very kind of you, and everybody. Thank you so much. Carrot cake. Happy birthday. So while Devin's enjoying his carrot cake at the break, we're gonna bring back 
A recurring guest, our first recurring guest, it is none other than the beautiful, the talented, former U.S. Women's National Team player, Lori Lindsay, to preview Women's Olympic qualifying. You're not going to want to miss it. All right, welcome back into the CONCACAF studios. We have had a very exciting day. We've had birthdays. We've had goalkeepers coming on. We've had Devin breaking down tactical. And now we've got another special guest. It's none other than Lori Lindsay, an Olympic participant herself, way back in her playing. Not way back in her playing days. She's still fit enough to play at this point in time. She is Skyping it there. She, Lori, I don't know if making a public appearance is in your best interest right now, having just robbed a bank. Are the, are the police still after you? <laughs> I know. <laughs> You're not the only one to say that. But listen, I have bedhead, even though it's late at night. It's, it's pretty late <laughs> in the day to have bedhead. You should probably take care of that. But we're not going to talk about hair. We're here to talk about women's Olympic qualifying. It's just around the corner for Tokyo 2020. And you have boatloads of experience with this. First of all, I mean, what is it like just sort of heading into this, into this sort of chapter in your career and to be able to take the first step in potentially representing your country? Oh, it's amazing. I mean, obviously in the soccer world, the World Cup is the most exciting, but in America, the Olympics are exciting and to have them back to back. And I think this one is the most exciting, though, because it'll be the first time if the if the U.S. qualifies and then ends up winning the uh, the Olympics, it'll be the first time that the any team or any country has ever done back-to-back -back World Cup and Olympics. So there's a lot of um, excitement around this one, but as a player, there's nothing better. Well, there's three different venues. Two of them are in Texas. One of them is in California. I, I mean, I've been to a couple of them myself. They're absolutely beautiful. What, what have you made of sort of where these games are being played and just sort of the tournament and the setup of it so far? Oh, well, I'm pumped. And, um, I mean, wonderful venues as usual and in warm places. So, I mean, that's always <laughs> the talk <laughs> of the town. So you always want to be where you can um, – where it's warmer and it's, it's fun to play and there's always good crowds. I mean, anytime the team is – is down in Texas, gets a good draw, and then obviously same in L.A. Spent a lot of time out there training prior to the NWSL. So it's always like a homecoming in that regard. Um, but, again, just the lead-up, the excitement um, after a historical year for the U.S. team, um, a, lot of, a lot of backing and just, again, excitement and around the team and, and what they can do this year. Well, there's some excitement off the field as well in terms of what the fans are going to be able to do, and the Hall of Fame is starting to get a little bit of buzz. Can you give us a little bit more in terms of what that's like and what it's going to be like for the fan to be able to sort of engage in that sort of manner? Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, it's going to be beautiful. I mean, to be able to experience these games as fans and to to have these this personal aspect to it is is brilliant and just going to be a beautiful experience all around. And any time that you have the ability to to be close to the fans and in this environment, it just makes it that much better and for them to be able to feel a part of it. I want to head back on the field for this question a little bit as well, but nerves heading into this. Now, the U.S. has historically done really, really well in these qualifiers. I don't think anybody's really expecting anything less than their very best and ultimate success at the end of the day, but just sort of heading into this situation, do you remember what, what you were sort of feeling? Because you're not in the tournament proper yet. This is to get there. So is there something a little bit different about the qualifiers from a nerve standpoint? 
Well, there is in the in the fact that there's so much competition within specifically for the U.S. team because there's already so much competition within the team, and 23 players went to the World Cup, and then for the Olympics, there's only going to be 18. So to cut five players, and that means not making any changes, there's already a lot of pressure within the squad. Now, there'll be 20 for the Olympic qualifiers for this tournament um, in terms of the players' amount, but it is there is nerves, there's excitement, there's uh, pressure, there's um, challenges. But at the same time, I think the position where the U.S. is now, I mean, when was it? Back in... 2010, before we were headed to the 2011 World Cup, we came really close to not qualifying. We had to go play Italy in a home-and-away match to get into that World Cup. And I think that just put everything in perspective for this team, even though it was almost a decade ago, or was a decade ago, um, in terms of don't take anything for granted, one game at a time. And that is always how this team has prepared for these qualifiers or any sort of tournament like this. But I guarantee after what the year they had last year, that will be even more um, more on their minds in terms of being prepared and, and ready to go. Awesome stuff. Well, fans can head to CONCACAF and USsoccer.com to get their tickets. And there is also some swag that is available, limited edition T-shirts. I've got one right here. This is just awesome. I might take this home with me. It's a little <laughs> bit small. But we also have an in-house model. Not just a carrot cake model, but also a T. There he is. <laughs> Was this supposed to be one? You're supposed to be doing it at the same time. It's an early birthday present. Are you keeping that? Absolutely. Why not? It fits perfect. Oh, my It's an goodness. Italian estrus medium. This is beautiful stuff. Lori, help me out here. I, fantastic. Put yours on. Put my, I can't put this. There's no way I can fit into it. He doesn't this. have a body like I do, Laura. You know that by now. <laughs> yeah. You know that by now. Beautiful. Beautiful. Oh, my goodness. These are limited edition. You can get these as well. There's swag. There's interactive. There's Hall of Fame. And there's going to be some great football as well. Women's Olympic qualifying just around the corner. You're not going to look like that. I promise you. But, Laura Lindsay, thank you so much for taking the time to come on. You are fantastic as always. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Make sure that you're not showing your face in the public arena much longer because you robbed a bank. <laughs> it's as simple as that. Well, Thanks folks, that's going to do it for this edition. We had fun. We had cake. We had models. We had way too much revealed here. But at the end of the day, it's all fun. Folks, tune in again on Friday. Friday, 5 o'clock Eastern time. We're going to highlight yet another matchup approaching the round of 16. February 18th. We're right around the corner. Folks, we got another six, 90 and 60, not a 60 and 90, just around the corner. Stick around for that. For my main man, Devin Kerr, and everybody here at CONCACAF, so long for now.